Welcome to this episode of Kendall County Connections Podcast. I'm your host, Aubrey Walker. I work with the San Antonio Council on Alcohol and Drug Awareness, or CICADA. I'm the Coalition Coordinator for Kendall County. The purpose of this podcast is to educate, promote awareness of resources for Kendall County, and to connect people. I have lived in Kendall County most of my life, and I have a passion for this county. I hope you find this podcast helpful, and thank you for listening. Today, we're going to be talking with Vicki Thomas. She's the coalition coordinator in Bear County for the San Antonio Council on Alcohol and Drug Awareness, or CICADA. Thank you for joining us today, Vicki T. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me today. Of course. So first question, and this is probably my favorite question. <laughs> what, is, what has been your most enjoyable job so far, and how old were you? And if this is your current job, you don't have to tell us your, your age. Okay. So I have had two really great jobs um, in my employment history. I worked um, in Fort Worth at a a children's medical center, and that was very rewarding. And um, I really enjoyed the work, although it was difficult to see sick kids. But I really enjoyed the work and I worked there for several years. But I think my job at Sakata has probably surpassed the work that I did at Cook Children's. Mm-hmm. I think that I get a bigger impact on youth. Um, you know, we're working on targeting um, youth alcohol, drug, and other substance use. And I think. And my role as a coalition coordinator now, I can impact more youth and adults too, but impact more youth than I was on an individual basis when I worked at Cook. But um, I started at Sakata four years ago, and I really enjoyed my last few years as a coalition coordinator. It's been something really different that's been outside my comfort zone, but it's something that I'm really enjoying. Yes, I feel I feel like as a coalition coordinator, we're constantly learning new things and adapting and being flexible and so it's uh it's I feel like it's never really the same it's always evolving and so that makes it challenging but very interesting as well I totally agree and each day I'm asking myself oh am I doing this right but it is challenging (laughs) and rewarding all at the same time I agree I agree so um for the listeners we're doing something a little bit different for this month so this Um, those of you who might be listening to it a little bit more in the future. So April is alcohol awareness month. So this is something that uh, like Vicki T was just saying, uh, we really focus on um, underage drinking and how to prevent it, how to decrease it. Um, And so we, I really wanted to do a presentation kind of podcast episode this month to talk about it and why it's so important. And towards the end, I will give some, some really good data for us to know what's going on in Kindle County. So please stay tuned to the end. Um, She's going to share some wonderful knowledge that she has. Um, But let's go ahead and get going with uh, the next question. So what are you passionate about right now? So right now I am passionate about how we as a community can support our young people, especially since we are still in a pandemic We know that mental health for our adult population has been worse, so I could assume and draw conclusions that mental health for our young people is also a rising concern, 
And so I think it's important as a community that we address some of those issues. And I think our school system has seen more of those issues as our young people have gone back to school and we are seeing more services that are being needed. So I'm really passionate on about how on a community level we can address youth mental health, not just drug and alcohol use, but although that's a huge concern and a huge part of my job, but I think mental health is really surpassed, um, surpassed that need. Yes, I, I agree. And I think, you know, it's interesting because, you know, we hear from a lot of our community partners, whether it's law enforcement or mental health professionals, how the need for the ju for juveniles, but also for adults, you know, across the board, there's more people um, and it's different genders, it's different ethnicities, races, all of that. Just in general, there is a rise in getting and needing help and, and and getting help. You know, that's that's wonderful that people are actually reaching out for help, um, for mental health help, and in a time like this, because I think we can all agree, <laughs> COVID has been very difficult for all of us. This is we're getting getting close to two years, a little over two years, when this when this episode releases. Um, that it's a huge thing that we, that we need help with. And so that's amazing to hear that that's something that you're passionate about right now. So, and you kind of talked about this a little bit, but um, more specifically, why are you passionate about this? Um, I have struggled with mental health issues and I recognize them from a very young age, but none of the um, adults around me recognized that I was struggling with mental health issues. And so I think as an adult now, I want to be more aware myself, but also be more aware for, for the youth that are struggling, um, you know, in knowing that they need help um, and figuring out how we can be of service to our young people. I think that's what makes me passionate about um, mental health care and drug addiction and um, treatment. I think that's what makes me passionate about it is my own personal history. Right. And I, I think, you know, for listeners who might not know, um, in the substance use prevention world, we definitely, and mental health awareness, uh, mental health professionals, we all know that there is a correlation between mental health issues and substance use. And if we can help with mental health issues, that can also help reduce uh, substance use, whether it's alcohol, tobacco, marijuana, non-medical use of prescription drugs, we can definitely help um, decrease that. And so I, I agree. I think that's kind of like, that's the upstream prevention that, that we're looking at is looking at mental health and how can we help with that? That's great. Um, so, and you did talk about this a little bit, but when did you get involved and why is this important for the community? So personally, um, I have been in long-term recovery for 12 years. Awesome. And so I started about 12 years ago, personally becoming involved in um, adult mental health care and in substance use prevention. And um, also just dealing with a church that I was affiliated with. We worked with individuals who were experiencing homelessness, but also had um, mental health issues and also substance use disorders, but I became professionally involved about six years ago. I first started working as a um, 
staff member at Alpha Home, which is a treatment center that's open to males and females in the in our community. And I started there and I really enjoyed the work, although it was probably the hardest job I've ever had. We dealt with a lot of people who have extensive trauma history and um, the job was very difficult, but extremely rewarding to see people. And especially now, I still am um, in contact with people that were there in treatment when I was um, working at Alpha Home. So to see their success, like on Facebook or on Instagram, or those that I still keep up with, you know, has been very fulfilling. Um, But I think my work now at Sakata is even more special to me. Um, just because we're dealing in prevention and, you know, what can we do to prevent one people from um, needing to go to treatment and preventing youth from experiencing any issues with drugs or alcohol. Absolutely. First off, I want to say congratulations on 12 years. That is amazing being in 12 years of recovery. That's, that's, it gives me chills every time I hear anybody say any amount of time in recovery. It's, it's such a huge feat. I, I can, I can imagine it's, it's awesome and, and tough and exciting and all those emotions. Um, but anyway, uh, I agree. It's absolutely important. Um, and it, it's funny because, you know, prevention isn't like, kind of like you were saying, it's not just prevention for, you know, youth and substance use. It's also helping people get into treatment. And that's at Sakata. That's what we are very passionate about for both things. Um, where it's the recovery side, but it's also the prevention side. And it's, it's wonderful to know that we are able to do both. We're able to help both sides of the coins, you know, so to speak. Um, so <laughs> this question, uh, goes, I have to ask a question about COVID. <laughs> How has COVID impacted your work? And this could be both positive and negative. So I think it's made our work a little more challenging because we know that there are even more issues now because of the COVID, the impact of COVID. We know that there are more issues that our youth and adults are experiencing. So I think that as a direct correlation to COVID has been difficult, but, you know, meeting virtually has been a real challenge. And typically in the coalition work that we do, it's we work with people. So figuring out how to work with people and for people virtually has been, was very difficult in the beginning. I think that we were very fortunate that Sakata had all the technology available to us before COVID hit. We just didn't know how we were going to use that technology or we didn't understand why we would use the technology in the way that we do. But I think that, you know, coalition work again is working with people and for people. And so to do that virtually and to not be able to meet um, very much in person was a huge impact. Um, I think now I'm even more appreciative when I have in-person meetings and I try to be even more engaged because um, I'm so happy to be with people and to be working on issues that our community is facing. So um, I think the work that we do now will be even more important because of COVID, um, but also because we've missed each other for several, <laughs> for two years. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's neat to, to be back in person and to see, get things going again. Not that we yeah. ever stopped our work, but it was very different. Right. 
Yes, you know, that was something that I was so grateful for at Staccato. We we didn't skip a beat, you know. I mean, things felt like they slowed down, but, you know, we were emailing our community members. We were calling people, you know, whatever, you know, whatever worked out for whoever, you know, for us, you know, emails, you know, weekly, monthly, whatever, to see, you know, how we can help them, how they're doing. I think those check-ins, um, we're great because we, you know, let them know we're still here. We're still doing our thing. You know, we're just working from home and we can do things virtually. Um, but now kind of like you were saying in person, you have like this new perspective and, you know, I always joke, um, you know, I'm an intro, I'm an introvert. I'm not an introvert. I am an extrovert. <laughs> I think most people, um, as they get to know me a little bit more, they can realize that, but I'm an extrovert, right? And, but I was, I was never really a big hugger. That was not, not my thing. You know, I shook hands, you know, things like that. But after COVID, I'm like, hug me. Of course, you know, you want to be careful with COVID and things like that. Um, But, you know, I, I just, you know, I appreciate that human touch. I appreciate that hug um, so much more. And, but, you know, being in person, like you were saying, you, you step outside your comfort zone a little bit more, you talk to people more. And, and what I realized uh, for, for myself uh, is meetings and, and networking, like you, you don't realize how much you, you really talk to other people, you get to know other programs, you know other people, you, you connect, um, you connect for work, but you also connect on this, you know, basic human level that you don't realize you, you miss whenever you're not, when you're on Zoom or on a Teams call. And, and it's so important. So it's so special whenever I'm like, I have an in-person meeting. It's, it's so exciting. And I, and I, from what I hear from other people, I'm I'm not the only one who feels that way. (laughs) No, definitely not. I just, I have a bigger appreciation for people who want to do the work that we are doing and that they're taking time out of their professional life or personal life or both to actually take time to come to a meeting and to be present and to be Mm -hmm. active. Um, Okay. So is there anything that I missed? Do you have any upcoming events that you would like to discuss? We don't have a necessary event that we're planning currently, but the work that um, we continue to do in San Antonio Um, will hopefully be um, continued into April and May of this year. And we are specifically working on alcohol and um, its harms to our young people in the community. Um, We do that in various ways. We have an alcohol policy work group that meets. And so we talk about changes we're seeing in the alcohol industry and also do lots of education with our coalition members. We are continuing to work on enforcement of an ordinance that was passed in San Antonio. It's called the Social Host Ordinance. It is part of a solution to underage drinking. So a social host is someone who um, provides the environment or the gathering for underage drinking to occur. And it holds them responsible in San Antonio anyway, in a civil, um, in a civil liability, where if cops do come to an underage drinking location, they have the option of filing um, violation of an ordinance. And it's a civil penalty, much like a speeding ticket is. 
and it is a deterrent to underage drinking. We know that other communities that have social host ordinances, and there are a lot of communities that have social host ordinances in the nation, we know that over time, um, those ordinances have been impactful in decreasing underage drinking. And so we're hoping that we can also make that change here in San Antonio. But that's in addition to the other prevention work that we do. Not only that our youth prevention staff does at Cicada, but also the other initiatives that um, the other coalition coordinator and I work on. And you know, we're, we're concerned about underage drinking for a, a number of reasons. And um, number one is we know that there are extreme consequences that occur when underage drinking is happening. You know, we, our youth are at more risk for um, sexual assault or sexual violence. They're more at risk, of course, for um, vehicular crashes. And um, we know that assaults happen when underage drinking occurs. So there are a number of consequences that we um, concern ourselves with when we're talking about underage drinking. And we target underage drinking, we target youth alcohol use specifically because alcohol is the number one substance that's used by youth. And it's the most frequent substance that is used by youth. And it's also easily accessible. So part of the work that we do is to um, in work on enforcement with our police department of the socialist ordinance, but then also in community education. You know, we need to make youth and their parents aware of some of the consequences of underage drinking. And, you know, one of the consequences that I didn't mention, but that is also um, very important to consider, and this goes with not just alcohol use, but with any use, any drug use, that um, we are concerned about how substances change the brain and how it changes the neurotransmitters. And I know you had um, Dr. Collier on for one of your podcasts, and she does a great job explaining you know, how substances can impact the brain. And so we're concerned um, because we know that alcohol changes the reward center in young people's brains, and not just young people, but in adults. We know the brain isn't fully formed until people are 25 or 26 years old. So, um, you know, there's that concern that what is the, what damage is happening to the brain when substances are being consumed, specifically alcohol in this case. Um, and, you know, also we have the statistic that, young people who use before the age of 15 are four times more likely to develop an addiction or problems with alcohol in the future, you know, and that's work that we, that's stuff that we want to try to prevent. And so, um, you know, raising um, more awareness for alcohol use, especially with our young people is important, but then also making um, changes to community policy is also equally important, as well as community education. Um, you know, it takes all streams um, to, to try to prevent the issue of underage drinking. Great. Thank you so much, Vicki T, um, for that wonderful explanation. So lastly, um, how can someone uh, listening to the podcast connect with you? So we have a website that's run off the Cicada um, website. So if you go to cicada.org, you can find the coalition page. And there's information there about the work that we do and also contact information. But you can also email me at vthomas at cicada.org. 
And um, I'm more than happy to um, help people join the work that we do and join the coalition. Or if you need services in your schools, one of the things that we didn't talk about is the work that we do in schools. Um, for the work that I do, we deal specifically with San Antonio ISD and we do um, lots of different things with them. Um, one of the initiatives that we have is to collect data about um, drugs and alcohol and also how youth perceive um, drugs and alcohol and how they think their parents perceive drugs, drug and alcohol use. And then we also are available to do presentations in the community and, at, and, and in our school districts. Um, but an email or um, contact with our um, Facebook page or our, um, our webpage is how you would get in contact with us. Awesome. So real quick, before we close out this episode, I wanted to share um, some data from 2019 and 2020 uh, for Kendall County specifically. So in Kendall County in 2019, looking at the total crashes, this is DUI alcohol related crashes. Um, so that was 896 crashes in 2019. In 2020, there was 780. Now I know that there, it, it did decrease and that's great. Um, to me, I feel like there should, it should have been lower because 2020 there was, I mean, bars weren't open for majority of 2020. People were, you know, stay at home. Um, so I feel like that number, I would, I would have thought that it would have been lower. So I'm glad that it decreased and I want it to continue to decrease for 2021 and 2022 and on. Um, and then the total deaths, uh, this is again, DUI alcohol crash fatalities. Um, so 2019 was 10 and 2020 was seven. DWI crashes, 48 and 2019 and then in 2020, 31. Um, DWI deaths, there was three in 2019 and in 2020, there was one. So it's I, the trend is that it's decreasing. I would have thought that it would have decreased a little bit more because again, 2020 and COVID and all those things. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, I, I want to pull the data for 2021 and 2022 and see, you know, how it, is it going to continue to decrease, which would be great. Um, of course, any of those numbers, especially the deaths, we, we don't want any deaths from DWIs. Um, so that would be something that we wanna work on. Uh, so that's just some information about what's going on specifically here in Kendall County uh, for all of my uh, listeners that are in Kendall County. And um, so anyway, thank you so much, Vicki T for coming to the, for, for being on the podcast, meeting with me and educating us on um, Alcohol Awareness Month and specifically social host ordinance, which is what y'all are doing in the city of San Antonio. Um, thank you so much for joining me and I hope you have a great day. Thanks, Aubrey. It's nice to be here. All right, everybody. We're gonna do things a little bit differently from here on out. Before we close out this episode, I wanted to give the opportunity to the listeners to email questions you might have from this episode. Um, also, if you have another topic you would like to learn about from the person we interviewed this month, or if you have a suggestion for a future episode, please reach out through email. You can email me at coalition at cicada.org. That's C-O-A-L-I-T-I-O-N at S-A-C-A-D-A dot O-R-G. 
Thank you for tuning in to this month's episode of Kendall County Connections podcast. If you are interested in joining the coalition or being on an episode of the podcast, you can call 210-225-4741. That's 210-225-4741. Or email coalition at cicada.org. That's C-O-A-L-I-T-I-O-N at S-A-C-A-D-A dot O-R-G. Or check us out on Facebook, search for Kendall County Community Coalition or facebook.com slash Kendall County Community Coalition. Thank you. We'll see you next time and stay safe.